Welcome to another episode of Big Risk Energy. I'm your host, Roy Samuel. I'm a serial entrepreneur, having founded multiple businesses, including one that I scaled and sold to a gaming company in 2018. I've been an investor for the last five years, and I'm also super passionate about mental health and neurodiversity, suffering with severe ADHD and dyslexia myself. On this podcast, we talk to an amazing range of people, from actors to academics, investors to entrepreneurs, politicians, musicians, scientists, professional athletes, and everyone in between. And we talk to these people about risk, risks they've taken in their lives, risks they've taken in their careers, when they paid off, and when they didn't. And on today's episode, I am blessed to be joined by the one and only Mike Brown. Mike is an ex-professional rugby player, having won the Six Nations twice, the Premiership twice, and being named the 2014 Man of the Tournament for the Six Nations. Mike, thank you so much for coming on the show. Uh, thanks for having me, Roy. It's a pleasure to be here. So I want to jump straight in because I I feel like um, from like a human species perspective, I'm a different species to you in terms of how much more physically fit and and uh, capable that you are than me. So I want to ask, like, just tell me, how does it feel winning a tournament like the Six Nations? Like, what is that feeling like? And not in like a post match interview way. Like, really, you know, what what is that feeling? Do you know what when you when you go into it you think you're going to get to the end having won it and it's going to be this unbelievable feeling um, of I don't know joy and enjoyment and um, everything that goes with that but then it kind of just becomes you get to it and you're like oh, thank, thank goodness we did it and it's kind of relief I think is more more the word you're relieved you've got through it you're relieved you. You've um, all the hard work means something. You're relieved that you're not going to get battered in the press <laughs> and from um, people watching, and um, everything's gone well. And yeah, I think it's more relief, which is a shame, really, because you kind of think it's going to be so different. Yeah, and then it's very quickly on to the next. As a professional sportsman, you're very quick on to what's happening on the Monday. What's what? Uh, what do you need to learn from the game? What um, you know? If it's the if it's summit at the end of the season, you know having a few few uh, few days off but then back into training and when you're back in for pre-season all those sort of things it's kind of straight on to the next which is also a shame because you kind of want to be in the moment a bit more and um, my wife would always say to me oh you need to be in the moment more you need to enjoy it um, in that moment um, just take a second to enjoy it and I never could because it was always on to the next always on to mm. the next but then on the other hand I, c I kind of think you have to be like that to um, stay at the top and stay um, stay successful and, and keep driving yourself forward to to be um, successful. It's it's a really interesting one and something which so many people I speak to on, on this show and otherwise tell me is that you know it's that that drive and it's almost the thing that stops you from being able to be happy and enjoy in the moment. That's the thing that that makes you successful. But is that is the trade off worth it? Like looking back now at the you know at the end of your career, as you know, do you wish you had been able to take in the moment more, or, or is there a, a a feeling that if you had got caught up in the moment, maybe you wouldn't have driven yourself so much the next time? Yeah, I kind of look back and at what I've achieved, and I wouldn't want to change anything, even though I do kind of think, should I have done, should I have taken a moment to enjoy stuff more? But then, on reflection, I don't think. I could have continued to to be at that level for as long as I did and do what I've done and play for for the teams and be successful in those teams as I have done without being that way. Um, 
without being driven and thinking about the next thing and what's next. And if I was constantly looking back, would I be able to keep adapting, keep improving, mm -hmm. keep developing and all those sort of things? And I think it'd probably be the same for most um, athletes that, that do well. Um, they're all kind of the same. Yeah, we, we had a, a guy called Jack Green on last week who's a double Olympian and, and, you know, saying the same thing in terms of that that drive. But it's now he's in a situation where he's just, um, you know, at the end of his career and, and like you still very, very young and, you know, trying to understand whether there is that space within professional sports where you can have more of a focus on on mental wellness more of a focus on balance do you think that works do you think there's a way of getting that or do you need to just have that you know ruthless mentality of, of more I think I, it would have been good to have someone that can kind of pull you up um, in those sporting environments to maybe say I'll oh, take a minute you know um, let's reflect a bit more let's look back on stuff let's talk through stuff together um, I remember after winning the Six Nations in 2016, maybe 6-16, um, I kind of just sat there and thought to myself, well, is that it? It was that, you know, I'd grown up since the age of five watching the Five Nations and Six Nations now, um, desperate to win it, desperate to be part of it. And then you win it and it's kind of like, all right, what's next? And then you're straight back into your club and, you know, into premiership games and, and it's kind of forgotten and yeah you just kind of think oh is that is that it is that you know you kind of it's, it's weird it's weird sort of feeling you kind of feel drained and back to the relief thing I spoke about earlier mm. so it would have been nice to have someone like a well-being coach or a mental coach or a life coach even mm. to kind of pull you back and oh let's go through it let's go through the feelings and the emotions and what you're feeling now before the next stuff comes yeah, you know, maybe on a Monday morning, quickly have someone to kind of go through everything. Thinking about it now, sp speaking to you, it'd be nice to have someone like that um, to go through everything and reflect on everything. Yeah, hundred percent. I think you know you see um, uh, an increasing trend. I know with some Premier League clubs employing full-time sports psychologists, you know, who are there to coach people. And I think it's something which, you know, I don't think human beings are designed to compete at that level right it's not something in our nature to be like elite athletes and be like you know um, having that sort of regime that schedule and obviously there are um you know there's there's a lot of biology behind like being uh, alpha being someone who's a hunter on that side but like actually the the you know the psychological impact of the structure and the pressure of being an elite athlete is not something which we're really designed for right I I would probably agree with you. Have, have, thinking about how I felt after you know coming away from England camps, you just feel so mentally drained. Mm. Um, you know you're going to be physically drained because it's a step up from what you're used to at your club and in terms of training and games. But the mental side of it, that how drained you feel and how tired you are, and trying to have to lift yourself back up to be yeah. back in the club, and you're kind of institutionalized because you've been in a camp um, mm. in a hotel room. You know, in hotels and used to hotels um, for you know what eight weeks if it's the Six Nations. Yeah. So you got all that, and then you're going back into normal life, into your, your normal everyday kind of grind at it the must club. Be tough. Yeah, going back to um, your family at home and all those things that you don't have to kind of worry about while you're um, in a, in a hotel. You know, yeah. doing your washing, doing your cooking, all those sort of things. You kind of become institutionalized. So yeah, it's it's it is draining. Um, 
it is draining um, the the constant kind of grind over those eight weeks, and 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 it's from when you wake up in the morning at like seven a.m. We used to we used to be up and going till like I think I was getting back to my room between nine p.m. ten p.m. Wow, because you're constantly serious yeah, hours. You're, you're constantly on it. People just think I think I think people think you just rock up for a bit of training, <laughs> have a have a laugh with your mates on on the rugby field, and then that's it for, for the day, and you hit the hotel spa just to relax, but it's constant, you know, you're waking up, right, what time's the meeting, what time do I need to be there, do I need to learn stuff for the meeting, do I need to go over my notes, do I need to go over the moves, what patterns are we running, have I done the analysis on the other team, and that's even before we started training, and then you have your meeting, and you focused on the, you know, what's going on in the meeting, so you don't miss anything, then you're out on the training, and it's the physical and mental side, then you've got to think, right, what recovery do I need to do so I'm ready for the next session and we've got a weight session coming up and yeah. what time's that and you're constantly worried am I going to be late for this am I, you yeah. know, am I ready for that so it's it's uh, constant it's honestly constant and do you think that's the difference between an elite mentality that you have and maybe something which you know other athletes don't quite get to that level because I, I have spoken to some people who maybe don't have the same attitude to training in that way obviously is something you've taken incredibly seriously do you think that's a big part of the reason why you got to the level that you did 100 percent. i've seen so many players that are way more skillful than me way more physically gifted than me through my whole career that have dropped by the wayside because they just don't have it up top that men mental side whether they're not resilient um whether they don't plan well enough whether they just kind of kind of um rely on on those gifts that mm. they've got um, and think that's just going to carry them through. But when you're pe with people that are equally as gifted or more driven than you, then then you just fall by the wayside. So 100%. It's um, it's that you know top two inches everyone talks about, and yeah, you know whether you can be resilient and bounce back and take feedback and give feedback and um, constantly keep driving yourself to be better and get better and adapt and improve. Um, that's what you know allows you to to make those next steps. So, Mike, what gives you that drive? Good question. Um, I don't know. I think there's that. There's you know, people talk about trauma in your lives, and that sounds very extreme. But my parents divor divorced when I was around eleven, twelve, and that was tough. Mm. And um, off the back of that, I haven't seen my my mum since. Wow. Um, so that might have been one of them. And then I think around about the age of 16, um, I joined a sixth form college. And talk about risks. I took a risk of going to um, Harlequins on a Tuesday and Thursday nights because back then you could um, to join up with their academy players to train right. with them. And if you got picked in the team alongside them, um, you play for Harlequins under 19s and 21s. So I did that um, and was just lucky enough to get picked up and through that got offered a contract. And it was that moment where I thought, right, this is this is a, a huge opportunity for me. So I'm going to throw everything at it that I've got because I'm not good at anything else. Um, and I just want to make it. You know, yeah. I didn't come from rugby playing school. Like I said before, I'm not as physically gifted as other people that were in the academy. I wasn't as good at rugby players, everyone else in the academy. So my point of difference was going to be how hard I worked. Um, you know, turning up before everyone else to do kicking practice and working on my high ball skills and um, just taking everything in that I could and, and just being more competitive than everyone else, especially on the field, um, which is probably one word people use for me now. 
Um, I just wanted to make sure no one else outworked me or outcompeted me um, to make that my point of difference, I think. I think that's an incredible story and, and truly inspiring as well because, you know, not coming from a rugby playing school, you're then starting, you know, four or five years behind everyone else. So you've got to do all that work to catch up and then go beyond them to get pick and get that contract. So is that that mentality, that drive, that's something innate in you? Is it something you picked up from people around you, coaches, or is that just something which, you know, comes from inside? I think it's a mash of everything, really. I think my dad was always hardworking, had those values of hard work that which we would have seen growing up whether we realised at the time, but kind of looking back, he worked hard. Um, he was a, a, a fireman and a fireman officer. So mm -hmm. he worked hard and I could see he worked hard. And, you know, even stuff like, you know, we, we did renovation on a house, which he did all the work for. Yeah. You could see how hard he was working for that. Um, and he still does now. Um, he's got mild MS, so he has to use a wheelchair um, when he's, on, when he's at, got long days and stuff. Mm -hmm but he's still around the house doing DIY and kind of sometimes you have to say, look, you're running yourself into the ground because yeah. he gets tired a lot quicker and he's a bit older now and stuff like that. But he still has that work ethic. So probably, probably that, um, I think just the realization of an opportunity I had kind of kickstarted me to think, right, I need to work here mm -hmm. to keep hold of this and keep, um, improving to get to where I wanted to get to. Um, um, yeah, so I think it was that really, that was a bit of, bit of both. Because I don't think I was naturally hardworking. I mm -hmm. think before 16 and I realised what an opportunity I had, I was probably a little bit lazy, lazy. You know, I didn't do extra stuff with my rugby and mm -hmm. didn't like working with my dad on, on helping, you know, DIY and all that sort of thing. I was, yeah. I was probably a little bit lazy. But I guess um, it's finding your passion, right? And I think then, so. And I think, uh, you know, you've got to give yourself credit here because a lot of people, you know, the thing with opportunity is it's always around the corner, right? There's always opportunities, but a lot of people don't learn that lesson until they might be 40, 50. So to, to see that at 16 and be like, right, here's something that I can be passionate about, that I can get my hands around and, and go for is incredible. And, you know, hearing your story now, I, I don't know if you've seen The Last Dance, the, uh, the yeah. basketball, you know, my... When I found out Michael Jordan didn't make his high school basketball team, right? Crazy, he, right? Do you know what I mean? He didn't make his high school. So it's such, um, and for me, this is what gets me so excited. That's why I love talking to people like you because everyone should be listening to this and taking such inspiration that it's it's not where you start. It's not where you start. It's how willing are you? How dedicated are you to reaching your full potential? You know, it's how how much are you willing to fight for that? And it's amazing what anyone can achieve when they have that mentality. And I'm sure you saw that time and time again, as you said, with, with different players that you've that you've played with. Oh, 100%. Yeah, like we spoke about, for me personally, like I said, I wasn't the most gifted physically or, or skill-wise and probably still not. But um, I, I honestly believe in, in work ethic because it worked for me. And I've seen other players like Chris Robshaw, again, probably not the most physically gifted if you see him running. He looks, <laughs> he looks like he's a panting dog with his tongue hanging out and he, he's not... He's not the most aesthetically pleasing when he runs and things like that, but he was a great example for us. Another person who joined the academy kind of at the same time as me, as someone that um, can work hard to achieve great things in, in their sport because um, he was a, a kind of a great um, uh, trendsetter in how hard you need to work for us in the academy at that time, um, someone we'd want to compete with as well. So, you know, just looking at myself and, and that sort of teammate, um, just shows, uh, yeah, I honestly believe work ethic is, is, is the foundation for everything.
um, in any walks of life. Mm. So who was your biggest inspiration in your career? Wow. Um, do you know what? I, don't know. I don't know if I had one in growing up. You know, probably my dad would always be an inspiration because it's your dad. Mm-hmm. And you see how hard they work to allow you to do what you want to do is for sure. and, and provide for you. Uh, provide for your family and all that sort of thing and how hard he worked as a fireman how hard he worked around the house just doing simple things like DIY how hard he worked to allow me to achieve what I've achieved and driving me around um, rugby clubs and introducing me to other sports that would have helped as well Um, and then it becomes I think when you have a family it becomes your wife and and son which I have so (coughs) they become your inspiration once they come along um to 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 drive you to achieve everything because now it's all for them um yeah that's that's what you do it for when you have a family it's, it's all for them you know you you want to make money so you can provide for them you want to work hard so you can get better at what you do for them to make them proud um to provide for them all those sort of things so yeah that that they'll be them the yeah. inspiration now yeah that's amazing and you know looking looking back and just going back to a, a bit of your career in sports you know obviously as you said coming from again you know non-rugby playing school getting to that stage you know when you win player of a tournament when you're you know you've got so many personal accolades obviously you know team sport all the amazing championships you guys won is great but when you're being singled out as such a a high performer such an elite performer are you proud of that looking back now can you say like wow yeah I, i did i did fucking well Looking back now, yeah, but yeah. at the time, like I said, it's on to the next. You, you kind of don't want to worry about that because you feel like if, if you're thinking about that too much, you won't be able to keep, yeah. keep going. Um, I think it was that was good at the time because uh, for that particular individual accolade, that was that was a proud moment looking back because it took me so long to get there. So I got a couple of caps for England quite mm-hmm. early on-ish in my career, 2007, 2008. And then I was out for four or five years. Didn't you know? Didn't get a look in with England, um, and then got back in after that that time, but wasn't starting. So then I had to keep working hard for another year. Then I got in the team, but out of position mm-hmm. for another year. And then that was my first full year uh, in my preferred position. <clears throat> so I really wanted to show, you know, why I should be there from so long from being out for so long yeah. so you see there's a chip on the shoulder yeah, yeah. The, the chip on the shoulder <laughs> competitiveness coming out yeah um desperate to show everyone that i felt doubted me um and didn't want me in there or didn't allow me to be in there um and i'd waited a long time for that opportunity so i wasn't going to let it um slip out and yeah it was it was um great to get that but on the other hand as a team we missed out on winning that championship mm-hmm by one loss and and some um, points difference, literally like seven points or something. So it was heartbreaking for mm. that because we'd actually played really well that that um, that tournament and just literally just missed out on the last game. So mm. we we it was between I think us and Ireland and we played Italy and racked up loads of points um, to get a good points difference. But then they beat France I think just last try of the game mm. we were watching the game live as well and it was just like there's a picture of us head in hands at the after match dinner in our suits and it was just oh embarrassing and Brutal. heartbreaking to watch that that we'd missed out um so i'd have preferred to win that championship i think yeah but then that 
kind of made me feel slightly better, I guess. It's, it's a nice co consolation. Yeah, though, like, it's a like, nice consolation. And I think I'm still the only English guy to win that. So looking wow. back now, I could be proud of that. Yeah, it's incredible. So let me ask you, we're talking about the emotional pressure, the physical pressure, the mental pressure. How much does the media play part of this does that does that come in does that a whole new level because obviously when you're 16 and you start playing rugby there's no way you can uh visualize how that's going to feel when the public eyes on you how much does that play a part into all the pressure i think it's huge especially now with social media how big it is and stuff like that and i don't think because when i came through it wasn't there wasn't the social media and that sort of scrutiny it was just the media and like you said when you're younger and you're coming through everyone's kind of kind to you yeah i guess um, but when you get start playing for England and all eyes are on you, any little thing is just scrutinised and they kind of build you up um, to then knock you down, I felt. So after that tournament, it was then, um, it felt like it was trying to, time to knock me down a bit. And it, I, f I did struggle, I did struggle. And I wish I'd, um, probably looking back now, I wish I'd um, uh, addressed that better or had someone to help me guide and support through that. But again, with the social media, you know, starting to become big and how big it's continued to get, it was all so new. It was all so new. So it was all new experiences for everyone, I think. Yeah, yeah, it must be really tough. And it's, I think it's something which clubs probably need to do a better job of, which is protecting their players when, you know, especially if you are going away, you know, to England, although it's not during club time, as it were, ultimately protecting your mental health is so important to them. Yeah, it's huge now. Um, <laughs> Dealing with social media as part of that, um, I would say, why is it not in the curriculum in terms of school? There's a lot of things I I can't understand why they're on, they're not in the school curriculum because there's things you need in all walks of life. So dealing with social media and how to use social media um, for a positive for you mm. as a person is huge, as you would know, mm. running businesses and things like that. Why they're not teaching that at school? Um, you know, why they're not talking about um, mental welfare and how to look after yourself and um, how to deal with that side of things because you need that in any walks of life leadership you need that in any walks of life while they're not doing stuff on that um, relationship skills presenting <coughs> skills start doing that bring that sort of stuff in the curriculum yeah I mean the school system here is is broken fundamentally I mean it's you know, like the romanticism that we have in the UK around going to study English lit or going to study history. Do you know what I mean? And it's like, and then you get to the real world. It's like, oh, I wish I knew how to do my taxes. You know, it's all these exactly, things yeah. which are just so backward. And I think it's it's honestly one of the reasons why the UK is struggling a lot right now, especially versus the US. Not that they're not struggling, but the amount of people who are learning, you know, seriously applicable skills in their education system versus us is insane. It's one of the reasons I think the country is struggling in many ways is because we haven't paid enough attention to things that are actually going to make a difference to people's lives and, you know, accepting we're in the 21st century. Like you said, running a business, what is social media? How do we use it responsibly? How do you use it for you? You know, all these things, like we just need to, to wake up to the fact that if we don't switch the way that we're educating children, we are going to be stuck behind. It's not. It's not the 1950s anymore. You know, we've got to grow up to this fact. Yeah, definitely. It's things like how to become more resilient as well. Mm. There's so much mental health issues now. Why, why are we not addressing this at young age? How um, tools and techniques to become more resilient or uh, help ourselves uh, mentally? Things like that. Um, it's just so important, isn't it? So communication skills, um, giving and receiving feedback. You need that in any walks of life, whether you're a stay-at-home mum, 
Um, you still need to be a leader, relationships, yeah. feedback, communication to you know top business people um, like yourself. Um, you need all those skills, you know. Yeah, hundred percent. And I think it's now fascinating because you're, you're coming now to a really exciting part of your career, which probably you know at twenty years ago you weren't you know weren't expecting to to have achieved all the things that you have maybe and, and now the opportunity to bring that into a new environment and you know we talk about mentality i think it's it's the most important thing for for any business and how do you see the relationship between the lessons the skills the experiences that you built in your sports career and how those apply to the world of business and, and running teams yeah so i'm trying to use what i've achieved and learned through my um rugby playing career as a platform to move on to a second career I guess um and everything I've learned in in that so firstly again everything starts with work ethic so I'm trying to work as hard on my transition as I did do um in my rugby playing career um and then I feel opportunities will hopefully come off the back of that I think if you work hard opportunities will come so that's the kind of the mindset I've got. But, you know, as an athlete, there's so many things that we, we've learned along the way that you don't even think about until it gets to a point that I'm at. So, like, we've speaking, spoken about resilience, mm-hmm. communication, giving and receiving feedback. There's not many jobs where you're giving and receiving feedback twenty, pretty much 24-7. Yeah. You know, we're getting watched on cameras in training. We've got coaches giving us feedback. We've got our peers, our teammates giving us constant feedback, getting it from the outside world all the yeah. time. You know, when we're in games, when we're not in games, um, we're constantly having to give and receive feedback, mm. which is which is big. Relationships, um, building relationships, how you do that. Um, I think building um, environments and culture that, that achieve success is so big in, in all walks of life now. Yeah. How you do that, especially the way generationally we are now in terms of belonging and um, having a purpose, um, you know, building relationships, mm. how you connect with people. We're doing that all the time in sport. We don't even realise it. So um, it's all so, so big in, in, in any walks of life, I think. I, I think it's fascinating, especially, like, as you said, that like giving and receiving feedback, but because it's sometimes like the hardest bit of any working environment is when you want your company to be the best, when you want your team to be the best in that commercial sense but you don't want to upset you don't want to offend like how do you do that i think that's like it's such an incredible thing i think so many cultures would benefit from that type of insight that type of experience of saying well look this is how you create some uh, an environment where people feel safe but they know that they're getting feedback because they all want to be the best and and what does that do for people's egos because you know in in, i imagine locker room situation you can tell i've never played sport at a serious high level but what, what i imagine you know must be big egos, big personalities. How does that it's constant, huge, yeah. you know, giving and receiving feedback impact that? It's yeah, you, you're going to have egos. Um, we're all competitive animals. We all want to achieve individually and collectively. Um, we want want to um, do well for ourselves and team. So there's huge egos, obviously, in sport. Um, I think the foundations for everything is the culture and environment that you're in. If you have a, a good culture and environment that um, allows people. To, to give the right feedback at the right time and an understanding of, of everyone in the room that you're, you're doing that um, because you're all pushing towards that kind of higher purpose of, of what you want to achieve. Mm. And then your ego get kind of gets pushed aside because, you know, you feel that, you know, we're doing it for, for that reason. Yeah. So 
you kind of just get on with it and then and then off the back of that it's understanding i guess dis different personalities and how you communicate them and what's going to get the best out of them i think that's something i learned later on in my career because i think at the start i i i just expected everyone to be like like me in terms of rugby probably very i was quite intense and direct um which there is is times for that especially if you're on the field you have to be uh, uh very direct with people because mm. you don't have time to I call it like kind of fluffing around and arm around the shoulder. You haven't got time for that. It's, it's do this, let's get it done. We'll talk about why we did it and how we did it later on um, and say it maybe in a nicer way. Yeah. But at that time, we need to just get it done. So just do it. And, and is that another thing which separates those who are professionals versus those who are elite? Is that ability to park the ego for the good of, of the moment? Yeah, I think so. I think... Um, but again, it comes from the environment culture you're in. You you will part that ego if you understand how you belong to that environment and understand your role within that environment of how we're going to achieve and, and what you need to bring for everyone to, mm -hmm. to achieve what we're trying to achieve and, and driving towards that and caring about that and have value in that, um, then your ego won't even come into play, in my, in my opinion. Um, but yeah, you... you as an individual, you just have to feel like you belong to that environment and have an understanding of where you fit into to everything that's going on um, and where you fit into what we're trying to achieve, I think, is the best way to put it. Yeah, super interesting. All right, Mike, I've got a few questions that I want to ask you. Not quick fire or anything, but <laughs> the first five questions that I ask every guest. So the first one is, what's the biggest single risk you took in your career and what was the outcome? Biggest single risk. It's it, it's a hard one to answer because, as an athlete, you make, you're taking kind of risks uh, all along the along the way, and you need a bit of luck for them to kind of work. You know, on and off the field, you're taking risks all the time. Um, a risk recently was probably my ending at my uh, club Harlequins, where I was there for 19 years. So um, my exit wasn't great. Um, I was told middle of the seat my last season there that I wasn't getting kept on. Um, the team wasn't going so well um, as well, but then the head coach moved on and then we started going really well. And um, I was playing well but along with a number of other players and they kind of changed their minds. Mm. But I'd already kind of signed for another club and committed to them. And, you know, once I commit to something, I have to follow it through as much as that would have been a risk because it was signing for someone that was probably at the other end of the scale in terms of budget and mm -hmm. success and where they were in the league. And it was a moving away up north, a long way from our friends and family and where we're used to, because we've been in you know, the London area since I was 18 sure. and at that club for 19 years. So it would have been very easy for me to just go, oh yeah, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to cancel that contract and tell them I don't want to come and, and just stay where I am, where I'm comfortable, where mm -hmm. I've always been you know, successful team. We went on to win the Premiership as well. So it was uh, in that in that last season I was there. So they were successful. So it had been very comfortable and easy for me to stay there. Um, but I just didn't feel right with everything that had kind of gone on and stuff that was said to me. And I won't go into it, but all this sort of stuff that had happened and the exit, uh, how it came about, didn't feel right with me. Mm. And also didn't feel right that I'd already committed to someone else um, to then kind of let them down and pull out. So that was a big risk to do that. And I did it. Yeah. And 
and and it didn't end that well because I ended up leaving early uh, from my contract because it was a, not a great environment, pretty toxic. From the leaders above, the players, amazing mm-hmm. group of uh, men and and people, but it was, uh, everything around them in terms of support structures and leaders that were letting them down. Um, so I, I ended up leaving there early and, and coming back to London and subsequently don't have a job. Um, and maybe if I stayed at Queens, I did. So it was a big risk and it was tough, you know, bottom of the league and mm-hmm. poor structures and support system around. Yeah. But looking back, I think it was exactly what I needed in terms of where I want to go uh, in my transition and next career because mm-hmm. I learned about what a player goes through moving. Yeah. Even though it was in the same country, it felt like felt like a different country going to yeah. Newcastle. Um, I, I think it is. Yeah. So if I want to <laughs> lead players that move move clubs... What does that feel like? What yeah. do they go through? What support they need? I gained an understanding of, you know, very different budget to what I'd been used to at a, a mm. top-end club and being in a different league. I, I understand what I wouldn't want to be as a leader yeah. now and the effect that I can have on a lot of people in terms of their welfare and things like that. So, so many learnings that I can take into my next career if I hopefully get to where I want to get to that I've learned just in that less than half a season from moving clubs so yes in terms of my rugby maybe it didn't work out well but I think in terms of long term what I've learned um, it could be it could be a great risk that I took yeah I think that's amazing I think it's it's such a valid point as well because the reality of life is it's filled with successes and failures and you need to have that exposure like okay I don't want to be involved with that that's that's not it Right, that's not it. And I think, you know, from on my own personal perspective, some of the biggest lessons I've learned, some of the things that have improved me the most are investments that I've made where it's gone horribly. I've, you know, there's no better teacher than losing a hell of a lot of cash, you know. So there's there's lots of things, I think, to be learned on that side that's really, really interesting to hear. Okay, my, my second question for you is, what are you proudest of? Um, oh, such a... Deep question that you could go. Um, I'm proud that I can provide for my family. I think I'm proud that I've got a career, a first career, that I can show um, my son and I've got one on the way and Jan that that shows good values in terms of work ethic and resilience and um all those sort of things that can go on to lead to success. So I can show, I can, when I'm saying to them, you need to work hard, you need to be resilient, you need to bounce back from from low moments. I can then go, this is what I did in my career doing that. So I got a good example yeah. to show them, I guess. Yeah. Um, you got the videos. I mean, yeah, you, I got you, some you, videos. You've got lots of good examples. And I can yeah. show them, you know, daddy used to do a few bits, you know, so... Um, <laughs> No, but at least I've got some good examples to show them and, and stories to tell them. Um, so I think I think that really. Yeah. And hopefully that will help them achieve what they want to achieve um, off the back of it. No, that's that's great. That's great. Okay. If there's one thing you could have done differently, what would it be? Do you know what? I can't. I I I don't feel comfortable looking back on my career thinking I should have done something instead of something else because it leads on to learning or something mm. else has come along off the back of something that may have not gone right and a decision you've made. 
so I couldn't I couldn't say one thing I don't think in terms of my rugby yeah I think that's a sign of, yeah. of no I think it's a a lot of people give me that answer yeah. a lot of people give me that answer because ultimately if you're happy with where you are right now and you're excited by the future even if you're unsure what the future is because no one can be sure then why would you change anything from the past because ultimately every decision you've made is what's led you to to here so i think if you're excited by the future it's easy to to, to look back and say well actually you know what maybe if i'd done xyz this would have gone slightly differently but you don't know the outcomes of that 100 percent. Yeah, yeah yeah it's so hard to to say otherwise cause like you said yeah every decision you've made has led you to this point and to achieve certain certain things and meet certain people and learn certain things as well, which is hugely important and develop certain ways. So yeah, it's, it's a hard one to answer. Yeah, yeah. All right, my second to last question before I let you off the hook for anything, <laughs> anything too difficult is, what does it take to be successful? I think first and foremost, which we've spoken about is work ethic. You have to have a high work ethic. I think that's the foundations for everything. And then I think it's just being open-minded to get out of your comfort zone, develop. Talking about comfort zones is probably something in, in the middle of part of my career I should have maybe done more, talking about what you could have done better, mm-hmm. is getting out of comfort zone more for development. But when you, as an athlete, when you're so focused on one thing and in that bubble and, and on to the next, on to the next, you forget about everything else around it. So that's what I'm trying to do now with my my transition get out of my comfort zone mm-hmm. to help my development and um yeah i think being curious is another one that i'm learning now it can, kind of came naturally in this moment just being curious and speaking to as many people as possible in di- all different walks of life and asking loads of questions um and gaining knowledge and insight from them and their experiences um has been has been amazing so being curious um but yeah, work ethic. You can't you can't beat it. I think in anything. Yeah, as, as you all know, it's the starting point. It right? is, it Without is. it, nothing else matters. Yeah, you, you can have everything else if you don't have the work ethic. Yeah, you you might get somewhere with a bit of luck. Yeah, but you won't sustain it if you don't have work ethic. Yeah, or you might not even get there with a bit of luck. So you need to work to to gain that luck and that opportunity. So yeah, I think for me that is the foundation for everything. And when things aren't going well, you can kind of lean back on that and you know work hard to. F- on a different path so yeah is 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 the foundations amazing amazing all right my last one for you is 15 year old mike walks in the room right now what are you telling him enjoy 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 the journey i think is the easiest way to put it enjoy the journey through the ups the downs everything you'll learn everything you'll go through all the people you meet just in, in enjoy that journey as much as you can, um, because it is a roller coaster. It really is. <laughs> That's amazing advice, Mike. Anything you want to plug? Not really. That I need a job. Yeah. <laughs> no. Um, yeah, I think just to say that you know, for me as a transitioning athlete, and for all the transition transitioning athletes, is understand what we can bring. To, to any walks of life um, with our experiences, what we've learned, the values we've shown in our career and and shown in amazing environments and cultures and um, from the people we've met, um, give us a chance. Give us a chance in our next our next um, walks of life and our next careers um, because I, th- I think on, on the whole, we wouldn't let you down. 
Amazing. Mike, thank you so much for today. I've loved having you on. It's been an awesome conversation. Really appreciate it. No, thanks for having me, Roy. It's been brilliant.